Good morning, Triple H 100.1 FM. You are listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy. This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and mental health. In today's show, we're going to look at the sensitive subject of weight. A sensitive subject because we're getting heavier and we don't seem to want to talk about it. Not really. I mean, the professionals do. Those who are having to deal with the consequences of what the weight is having on our body and our body systems. But whatever they're saying, whatever programs they're putting in place, it's not working because the rates of overweight and obesity are still on the increase. The latest research in Australia's Health 2016 report shares that there are more overweight and obese people in Australia than normal weight people, which really is a, is a considerable concern considering the costs of, uh, of dealing with the illnesses that come as a result of that overweight. I wonder, though, if it is not so much that we don't want to talk about it or that we don't see that there is a problem, but the way we talk about it that puts people off. It's as if there's a shaming that is felt when this subject comes up and either an over-defensiveness or an aggressiveness that comes in to distract from actually having to talk about what's really going on and potentially why it is so hard to accept that there's an issue that is having a negative impact on our physical and psychological health and well-being. My guest today is a woman who has experienced both sides of this conversation. As a qualified veterinary nurse and having worked in the vet industry for the last eight years, having conversations with owners about the weight of their pets was like walking into a minefield without protective clothing. Not uh, Not something anyone wanted to do, I am sure. Now, There is a long discussion that I'm sure we will have about that later. But what my guest also brings with her is a lived experience of being overweight and finding a way to come back to her more natural shape. Welcome to Triple H, Ashley. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Now, one of the areas of most concern is childhood obesity, with an increase to at least one in four children at the moment. Research is showing that childhood obesity is a risk factor for adult obesity, And this in turn puts that person in a high risk category for chronic illness. To you and me, that means that if I'm overweight as a child, I'll find it harder to lose weight as an adult. And I will be more prone to type 2 diabetes, to heart attacks, to kidney failure, to some cancers, to osteoporosis. In fact, to many, way too many of the preventable diseases. They're called lifestyle diseases. These are illnesses, though, that don't just affect us. They affect our families, those we love and who love us. Now, it's a very pertinent time to be having this uh, conversation because it's World Obesity Day coming up on the 11th of October. Happens to be the same week as Mental Health Week, the same month as Breast Cancer Awareness Month and October. So many potentially interrelated illnesses and issues. And it feels perfect to welcome you today to talk about how it all started for you and and how you managed to turn your life around, Ashley. So what age did you become aware that you were uncomfortable with your weight? So um, I think I always knew that my weight was an issue, even from a young girl. I sort of always suffered from being overweight. I think when it really started to affect me, though, was when I was in high school, being an all-girl private school made right. it very difficult because you've got a lot to lots of other girls to compare yourself against really so I think my high school days would probably be where I really started to see how much my weight was holding me back just in feeling happy and, and comfortable around other people around me yeah and um, the the transition from junior school to high school from primary to high school was that the bit where did you feel something change? Because, of course, you've got all your hormones going on then as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, I I would say that, yeah, probably... As you, as you come into high school, you hit puberty, you start to come a little bit more womanly, other girls start to grow taller, grow, you know, your body's changing and 
I, mine was always changing, but not for the better. It was sort of I was getting larger rather than I was okay. forming into being womanly, I guess you could say. Do you do you find that the bigger you got, the more you wanted to hide? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I I barely really went out, to be honest with you. I tried to avoid as much social events as I could. I tried to wear as bigger clothing as I could because I felt like, you know, the, the sort of bag here it was on me, the more I could hide my actual physical shape, which meant that I was hiding the fact that I, I felt like I had a problem. Did you have any friends that came from primary to high school with you? Real friends? Probably no. I probably had people that I thought were my friends, mm. but realistically, maybe not so much. Okay. Um, unfortunately, yeah. It sounds like it was quite a painful time in terms of, you know, not having that confidence in yourself and then finding that you, the people that you did, thought you had confidence in didn't stand by you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was hard. I, I just sort of felt like I had no support, so I didn't really know where to turn to, where to look. And unfortunately, back then, you care more about what your friends think rather than what your family think. So yes. you, you think about how you're going to, please everybody else around you rather than listening to your mum and dad about maybe what's right for you so and were your mum and dad very supportive oh definitely yeah I've, I've been really fortunate to have a very um, beautiful family really supportive really um, helpful with everything so um, you know I guess I used to clash with my mum a lot because she used to try and tell me as nicely as she could that my weight was a problem and I didn't <clears throat> sorry excuse me I didn't want to address it you know because yeah. I, I felt and w I would fight with her because she was trying to help me yeah. and I was trying to tell her that it wasn't a problem and yeah she was the bad guy not everybody else at school so it must have been very hard for for them all to see the pain that you were in oh definitely from you know when you came home they they couldn't they could have felt yeah what was going I mean on for you oh I think that probably three times a week I'd be coming home crying about something and my mum would be trying to find ways to fix me. I mean, she even tried buying me a gym membership when I was 16, but for my school formal, so I felt confident enough going into my formal, but unfortunately I didn't really stick it out back then. Um, yeah. I didn't feel like it was as important to me as what it was now. And um, what was your relationship with food like? Obsessed. Okay. Yeah, I was an emotional eater. Um, because I didn't have many friends, I would, I didn't have, I didn't do things on the weekend like most school kids did. I didn't really have many friends. So if I, if I did, I was generally just finding a way to go down to the lolly shop or find a way to, you know, my, my exercise was walking to the, to the lolly shop to, to give me something to do because I just didn't have that same stimulation that everybody had. Yeah. So it not only was the intake, the high calorie intake there, but there was no exercise to balance it or... That's correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, compounding because I think the, the weight issue, it, very often it's talked about calories in, calories out and, you know, finding that balance and that is part of it yeah. but the emotional aspect really confounds that yeah definitely it? and also like I think sometimes I had this mentality where if no one saw me eating it it meant that I didn't eat something so if I, w I would hide food like I was a sneak eater at night when people would be in bed I'd be eating ice cream after hours and because no one no one would physically see me eat it. In my mentality, I think I'd block it out like I'd actually eaten food that day. Like I'd actually forget how much I was consuming. Yes. Because I was trying to fill, to fill a void consistently. Yeah. The emptiness that yeah. you were feeling inside Yeah, definitely. You. So you're just feeling full by eating because it gives you some kind of feeling. Yeah. And it, uh, I have heard that same comment come from people who actually are at the other end of the spectrum and have an, an eat, a disordered eating, which obviously uh, being overweight and it's disordered eating. Yeah. But from the other end of the spectrum and having anorexia, it's very similar, yeah. you know, in the sense that they deny themselves, but they've convinced themselves that they've eaten enough. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if it's bulimia, they eat and then they, they purge it, but there is a convincing, there is a mental... Um, uh, conversation that you're having that is very very convincing that actually you're perfectly okay that's right yeah and that was I would just avoid mirrors I think that that would be my way of telling myself that I was okay I'd avoid my photo being taken mm. I'd avoid anything that really showed my full perspective so so you hid your light you hid you oh, definitely definitely I yeah I completely hid away from everybody now 
obviously this is radio so you can't see Ashley sitting in front of me but there's a stunning woman sitting in front of me and the, and the prospect of this being hidden away is a crime against humanity seriously oh thank you very much but it, you know it's interesting if you feel yourself now and you look in the mirror now I'm sure that you can understand why you did that but you can see the crime that it is you yeah. know that there are other young girls or young boys in that situation maybe adult men and women in that situation yeah, and they're hiding away and yet they're they're, they're still in there That's you know right. the the glory of themselves and the amazing people that they are is still in there but there's some support that's needed to help that come out yeah i think the thing that upsets me the most now that i have lost you know, all the weight is just the way that people treat me now. So people are a lot nicer to me without even knowing where I've come from. So just wow. from, you know, I've just started a new job and I found that starting in a new job for the first time when I've been a thinner person, yeah. people have already sort of just treated me differently and it's not something that they'll pick up on. It's just something that I've noticed that yes. people approach me different or, or just generally like me straight off the bat without even needing to know me now. So... It's funny how much people can um, be a lot nicer to you or, or um, just will find a way to try and talk to you or go out of their way to get to know you more just mm. purely based on the way that you look rather than wow. who you are as a person. I mean, I've, I've never changed. I've always been, I would like to say, a pretty gentle person inside. A very, yes. I like to be a nice person. I think that that's yeah. a very important thing that people lose these days. But... Yeah. Yeah, it, I, it's one struggle that I do have now as a complex is that I do find that people treat me different and it's something that I don't like that. I don't like that people are nicer to me now just based on the way that I look. Mm. Even people that I used to know that didn't used to like me mm. now want to seek almost my um, approval of them, which is quite strange. That's totally turned it around, yeah. hasn't it? yeah. And there's, we, we may talk about this, we'll go to some community service announcements, but we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about the desire to disappear and how when you are overweight, you literally can disappear from people's radars, that, that people stop seeing you, stop mm. looking at you, stop considering you. Yeah. Uh, and when they do, actually, there is a look of a presumption about the life you're living yeah, and the and judgments made, value judgments about the life you live because you're overweight. Yeah, it's good conversation to come back to. Triple H one hundred point one FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Welcome back. It's uh, me, Lucy, with Ashley Bell this morning. Hello again. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about um, the problem of overweight and the inordinate rise and the figures and the fact that the trajectory is going up and there really doesn't seem to be um, anything that's really working the programs and the uh, the programs and the awareness campaigns they just don't seem to be figuring out what's going on so we decided to have a conversation today and say are we asking the right questions and I feel that the majority of ours will not be necessarily about food but it'll be about why we eat when we eat and how we eat and whether there's an underlying issue underneath that actually as we get closer to it we freak out and we go back to our coping mechanisms, mm. you know, whatever that may be. So um, we talked a little bit about as a, um, as a child being sensitive. Yeah. I think it would be lovely to, to keep going with that. You yeah. know, children, mm. I believe that children are incredibly sensitive. I see, um, I see a lot of primary school children who feel so much and actually don't know how to handle what they're feeling or the emotions that they yeah. they get. Um, they don't get why girls get jealous. Yeah. They don't get why boys can sometimes be rough and get into a gang mentality. You know, they just don't, they don't get things. And if you don't have a, a way of talking with each other or with your family or with the society that says, let's talk about what it's like to be sensitive in a world that actually is quite harsh when you've got, you know, well, probably, I think we could probably say a day, not one day in the whole world where we haven't had war since World yeah. War Two. you know, the violence. It, 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 it's really unsettling to a child to see that. Yeah, definitely. So the coping mechanisms come in early, mm. you know, and, and for many it would be food. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and I would agree with that. Mine was always food. I think I was, I think I was someone that was addicted to sugar for, for a very long time. And I think that as a child, I didn't recognize that that was even, an, even a thing. Do you know what I mean? No. And as an adult, you probably, as a parent, you probably don't think, you think I'll worry about my children when it comes to, you know, drug abuse and things like that. But you don't necessarily worry about things that's in the household that can be as addictive. Like people don't realize how addictive something like caffeine can be no. and how much that can play a toll on you. Well, Sugar, I think, is the exact same thing. It is something that um, your body craves. If, if it's something that you're constantly putting in your mouth and then you go a few few hours without it, you're, you almost, you do, you hit like a sugar low yeah. and then you just binge eat to get that high again. And yeah. that is your only high. Well, that was me. That was my high in my life. I didn't have the friend stimulation, as I was talking about before. I didn't have the going to parties and things like that. I had animals and I had food and that that was my that was my go-to vice yeah and if you don't feel the deliciousness of yourself then you are going to try and fill it with something externally that's right it's I I think they're called I would call them socially accepted addictions yeah I would put alcohol caffeine and sugar yeah all three of those in that category because you know the 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 problems with all three are well documented and uh, and yet society has a vested interest in them and, mm. and therefore we don't really talk about them very much. We've finally, you know, talked and outed nicotine, which for years was told as being very cool and, yeah. you know, we were told by, by um, many health lobbies that there's actually nothing wrong with it who are in the paid service of someone. Yeah. But um, when you look at sugar... Sugar is in nearly all our food now. Yeah. We have a manufacturing industry that is making us addicted to something That's right. without even knowing it. So it's in so many food that children and drinks, sugar-flavored That's drinks, right. that kids drink, uh, nurturing an addiction that uh, unless uh, you're aware, body yeah. aware, how do you know? And it's not the natural sugars. It's not the fruit that no. we're getting addicted to. It's all the bad preservative and yeah. everything like else. It's all the bad sugars that in, in that we're getting addicted to that we want. It's not like sugar can be okay if it's in the right amount, if it's in the right food, you know. But yeah. unfortunately, we all kind of, we all sort of overeat and we over you know, we we do more than what we should be. Well, it turns off the receptors in the brain that say, I'm full. It just says, no, I want more. I want more, that's right. Same same part of heroin. That's Uh. right. As an adult, I mean, I still face this. I still find that I still love sugar, but the difference is, is I... I, I like feeling better in myself more. And that's yes. more important wow. to me. So you put your self-worth and your self-care right. and the feeling that you get in your body matters more to you. Yeah, definitely. That, like, I'm still going to have sugar. You yeah. know what I mean? I had yeah. sugar last night. I had yeah. a candy bar last night. I'm yeah. not going to deny that. But yeah. in moderation. Do you know what I mean? And also understanding why you're having it. Yeah. You just chose to have it. That's it does, it. doesn't say that you're was, then going to have it. Now, personally, I can't have any because if I have some, I'll have lots. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that switch off. Yeah. You know, but and for me, I was completely addicted and, and it wasn't pleasant. It was, it was horrible to feel like I couldn't function without sugar in my system but I was so desperately tired yeah I didn't I didn't actually know how to get out of bed without making sure and for others it's caffeine like my body can't tolerate caffeine yeah but it could tolerate sugar so you know my addiction is no worse than someone who's who's addicted to coffee or no better it's it's the same thing where we need a stimulant to get us out of bed that's it and sometimes too many of us eat on the go as well I Mm. find like we're all busy in our Mm. lives so it's easy to grab that muesli bar or that packaging food. Oh. That's not that's not the right thing to eat in no. that moment. And I, I've definitely been someone that, that's done that before that I haven't had time in my old job to stop. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And I just quickly eat something that's yeah. in the packaging. Because you've got a client waiting that's for it. you and you don't want yeah. to keep them waiting. When I was a vet nurse, that yeah. was probably one of the most common things is that we would get chocolates in, you know, yes. just amounts of chocolates from our clients, which was great. Yeah. But unfortunately, if you don't get a lunch break that day, you're going to that kitchen and you're yeah. diving for that bowl and that's the only thing that you're eating in eight hours. Yeah. Well, that's terrible. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And we're not putting ourselves first. Do you know what I mean? Like I understand. And as a vet nurse, you've 
you know, you run off your feet and stuff, but I wasn't putting myself first as well. I wasn't saying, hey, hold on a second. I'm taking five minutes out to just eat the right thing so I can continue my day and have the energy source to continue yeah, my day. absolutely. So, so uh, I think we should put ourselves. a call out right now, okay? The call out is, should you, we're coming to the end of the year, please consider a gift other than chocolate yeah. <laughs> for your vets, for your teachers at school, yeah, definitely. for your doctors. You know, let's actually take two minutes to think about what would be a more supportive um, gift than sugar and perhaps alcohol. Let's yeah. just consider <laughs> if you want to give them vouchers and they can go and buy that for themselves, fair enough. Yeah. But give them a choice because when that chocolate is there, as you say, if you are run off your feet and you don't have chance to go out and get a meal, that's not going to help you. That's no. going to give you a bigger crash. And, you know, I think as a community, this show is all about community community support. <laughs> I'm putting a call out <laughs> to raise community awareness of the don't do chocolates as a Christmas gift. I think they'll all appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's nuts, there's candles. Honestly, there's fruit baskets. Fruit baskets. We used to go so oh. happy for fruit baskets. I'm telling you now, especially gift. like it's a hot day. Yes. And you just, we used to love fruit baskets it was yeah. one of our favorite gifts because it's something that you can all eat together you can all share together yes. you can all just cut it up stop for five minutes and yeah. actually just have a cup of tea and undervalued right that's right <laughs> undervalued so there we go there's my call out for today i have no doubt i will uh, keep going with that all the way up to christmas <laughs> that'll keep me going <laughs> so um sugar do how do we deal with that i mean you know is is the answer a sugar tax is the answer, the easy answer might be um, to ban or, or up the taxes on sugar-sweetened beverages. So at least the, that's one element that's gone. The only thing that worked with nicotine was raising the taxes on it. It was the yeah. only thing that stopped and made people, even if they were... Um, the people that were the most addicted, which is the people who actually, unfortunately, are on the lower end of the income scale, um, it actually turned their health trajectories for the better because they had to think twice and yeah. then they needed to seek support. So it is the answer actually to help on many different levels, but one of them might need to be to put a tax on sugar. Yeah, I mean, I'd love it if they you know, stopped making healthy food expensive and started yes. making junk food more expensive. Yes. But if you go to the shop, the cheapest thing that you can find is your junk food. Do you know what I mean? You can go to McDonald's and get a meal. You can feed a family for $50. You can't do that at home. No. You can't cook a home meal for five people and no. feed people for something under that. And that's what's so difficult, yeah, isn't it's, it? It's I mean, it's a meal too. It's a burger and chips. That's I mean, it. it's more filling than anything else. That's so right. It's just, yeah, it's the junk food is... There has to be a way to be able to monitor it or it make it more easier for people to be able to afford healthier food. And there needs to be an education system in schools. Then it shouldn't be up to the teachers or maybe maybe parents. I know my mum was a she was a nurse. Do you know what I mean? She was working mm -hmm. in a hospital, so yep. sometimes she didn't have the time to cook for us kids. We would be microwaving food. I mean, yep. that's not really the way to eat. No. But there needs to be more education from school from very early ages yep. about food, about sugar, and about what it does to your body. Not about that it makes you feel good. No, it, it's psychologically yeah. and physically what's it doing. Yeah, like, you know, show children, you know, yes. what, even if you didn't sound silly, but like bio scores from yep. early age, you know, show children, you know, if you're five, you're actually nine, things like that. Because yes. I've, I've seen adults who come in and get their bio score at the gym and they're, you know, they're only 35, but their bodies are telling them that they're 55. I think that is a fantastic initiative. Oh, it's great. And, you know, I would love... Um, uh, I would love to do a program with canteen staff and with, with staff at school. So the people, even actually the people who are implementing these policies, I want to work with them yeah. to be able to say, okay, if we're going to people and we're talking about how we're going to change the trajectory, how we're going to support them, we need to know ourselves what it does. Yeah. So let's all do our own bio schools, see where our trajectory yeah. is and, and take a look and get some honesty with ourselves then let's look at say you know little harry who's in our class um who eats a lot of sugar let's look at his with permission obviously yeah. <laughs> let's look at um 
Henry or Fred or whatever and let's look at his and, you know, let's do some comparisons and yeah. see how much we're actually helping them by, in you know, in the canteen providing, yeah. you know, high fat, high sugar foods, yeah. even if that's all they'll eat. Because my experience is the more you introduce different foods, they actually start getting interested in them. But when the person who's handing it over is hesitant in any way, shape or form, the child will go for that hesitancy. That's right. I, or if it's a food reward. I see yes. so many parents, their child's screaming, they just hand them a... Like, Keeps them quiet. Kids, kids pick up on that. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, kids mine manipulated smart. me to perfection. <laughs> That's it. Like Kids can... They have a hold of you as well. And... You know, when you're emotional in that state, when you've got a child screaming at you, you just want to hand them what they want. It's That's the same right. as a pet. I do the same thing when my dog's barking at me. I, I find him a, a food reward. Do you know what I mean? You give yeah. them a treat. To, you give them something to make them stop. Okay. Know? On that note, we're going to have a quick community break. We might have um, some music. Uh, if I can find something that doesn't sound like that hideous song that came on before <laughs> I came on air. Good Lord. King Lizard Getting or something. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if I'd known that was coming on, I would have changed it. Gosh, it gave me a headache just listening. Um, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your experience of talking to owners of pets about the fact that their pets were over weight and what that threw up Fantastic. you are listening to triple h 100.1 fm and stay in the loop with lucy i am here with ashley bell this morning we have been talking about weight about what might be behind it and uh whether we're really asking the right questions around why we can't lose weight so we're going to go uh, and delve a little bit more into ashley's work as a vet because what she was mentioning just before the break was about the relationship of adult of of owners with their pets and how you you're starting to see something very similar in terms of the touchiness of can't really go there yeah with the conversation of weight so will you just take it away yeah definitely so i've been a, in the vet industry for about nine years now so um i started off as a kennel assistant and uh, made my way up to be a fully qualified vet nurse so um in my early days i wasn't giving so much vet advice but as i became a little bit more um comfortable and um, I was heavily involved in the industry after a while I sort of knew a lot more information to be able to tell people and um, you know as a vet nurse sometimes our, our we've got to talk about diets and things like that with our clientele and probably one of my most touchiest subjects sometimes um, especially with overweight owners with overweight pets um, could be a very sensitive topic um, due to the fact that People, like we love our animals, like I was saying before the break, like I, I'm a victim of um, loving my pet and sometimes in the sense of loving them, we feed them, um, which isn't always the right thing thing for them. So it's okay to, to give them treats and things like that. But if you're giving them treats consistently all day, then we're really just overfeeding them. And <laughs> I do the whole, I do the whole, I'm going out for the whole day. I feel really guilty. Let yeah. me overfeed you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably one of the worst things that we can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, a better option would be throw the food in the backyard and let yeah. them forage for it because yep. that's a seek and reward and they're actually going to appreciate that a lot more so than just having a, a mountain food full of food in their bowl. I um, had an amazing experience the other day because I got one of those big... Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the brand name, but anyway, it was Kong. Yeah. And um, I good, stuffed good it full of a couple of things yeah. and I thought there was just that... I, t I don't think he's going to be able to get that out. Yeah. Anyway, um, I threw it into the garden. Yeah. And then I'd put a bone somewhere else in the garden. And I thought, okay, you're out. I don't want any of that in the house. So yep. I'm going to lock you out of the yep. house. Felt a little bit guilty for about 30 seconds and then felt fine. And then, um, <laughs> and when I got home, I found I found the Kong and it was completely empty. Yeah. Somehow, and, and I just, I imagine she would have worked really yeah, hard definitely. to get that out. And that's positive reinforcement, which yeah. is what animals really focus on. They, it's a really good way to train them because if you're just feeding them, then they're just expecting it. Yeah. Um, but positive reinforcement makes them have to get the food, which then the reward is they have the food. Yeah. So it's a much better reward for them at the end. But um, as I was as I was saying before, I one of my struggles with, with with pet advice was always diets. So mm -hmm. um, sometimes it was it was generally fine if the person was, you know, of normal weight range, but as they sort of, if they got heavier or if they were morbidly obese, obese which is what I actually had with one client, um, they can be very touchy and 
um, somewhat a little bit abusive, I guess, in some senses. And wow. Yeah. Um, I had I had one lady with with a who unfortunately was a very overweight woman um, to the point where she physically couldn't come to the vet. Um, we had to come to her because she couldn't. The car couldn't really facilitate her, yeah. um, so we had to drive to her house, which was never a problem. We mm-hmm. were more happy th- happy to do that, um, except when we got there, um, I, I came to my discovery that her cat was about 15 kilos. So uh, a cat shouldn't weigh anything more, a big cat shouldn't weigh anything more than five kilos. So most cats are about wow. three and a half kilos. So we're talking about 12 kilos overweight. That would be about the same as us being about 30 to 40 kilos overweight. Wow. So you can imagine the, the amount of stress on this pet. On yeah, their, on, on their, their organs. Yeah, on their organs. Um, she couldn't even groom herself because she was so big. She couldn't, she couldn't turn her head around. Oh, so dear. she was uncomfortable. And yeah. trying to explain to that woman just something as simple as your cat can't groom itself, therefore it's it's unhappy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because the, the thing that cats, they love to groom themselves. That's yeah. something that we all know. They yeah. just, they'll groom themselves for hours. It's a part of their daily routine. It's an obsession with self-care. That's right. And that's, <laughs> what, that's why cats... Don't, we don't need to bath them is because yeah. they groom themselves. That's the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. So trying to explain to her that she, her cat was probably depressed considering that it, mm-hmm. and, cat, and animals can get depressed. It's been yep. proven. So yep. um, I definitely felt like her pet was depressed yes. considering that it couldn't, it couldn't, it had the same life that she did. It was locked away in a house, couldn't move, ate all day, couldn't groom itself. That's an interesting correlation you've made there, though. She had the same life as she had. Yeah. And I wonder if as owners sometimes we we want company in our unhappiness, in our devastation. Yeah. Well, if you think about active people, they've got active pets. They're, they're right. the type of people that are down throwing throwing the ball at the beach. Yeah. They're those beach people. Like I think that an animal definitely complements our lifestyle. So if you're an active person, you're probably going to have an active pet. If yeah. you're a person that's muddled in life, you're probably going to be, you know, you walk once a week yes. rather than every day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't have your routine down packed. So yeah. I think that we choose certain breeds and mm. certain... They um, do say that, don't they? Yeah. Of psychology. Yeah. I think that that's the case. But yeah, with this particular woman, with this cat, I was trying to explain to her just even the high risk that her cat had of diabetes, um, which... Complete, that's when she flipped out on me and I didn't realise that I'd hit a nerve that she had diabetes. So I see. Yeah. So I was just making reference that your cat is a high risk of having diabetes. With diabetes comes lots of other other problems, yeah. um, fatty liver disease, as well as, you know, they can have strokes. Like a lot oh. of pets get a lot of the same problems that we have, cardiac arrest. Oh my gosh, you were talking directly to her without actually yeah. knowing that and you were. And that's it. And, and she had no idea that, you know, I was... 60 kilos heavier at one point. Yeah. But she just looked at me and thought that I was judging her, which was the last thing that I would ever be doing. I would never want to make someone feel that way. But she actually wrote a formal complaint against me to my boss. But my boss just took me into the office and said, don't worry, I know straight yeah. away that this cannot be yeah. even true, even possibly even the slightest bit true. Yeah. And then her husband actually rang me back to apologise. Yeah. But um, yeah, just trying to speak to her about her pet and trying to, I, I was trying to help her pet. I, I didn't really consider necessarily that it was a reflection of her and yeah. that she was taking it that way. I just genuinely was doing my job and I genuinely felt sorry for the pet because yeah. I, it, like I said, it was depressed in its lifestyle at home. Like it, I felt bad for it. You do see a lot of dogs in the dog park who are quite depressed and who can't run around like they yeah. want to. But mostly actually, I see the, the most common breed I would say was the um, golden retrievers Labradors, and the Labradors. Yeah. People have a habit of thinking that these dogs are supposed to be fat. Yes. It's so wrong. Yeah. So people will say, they'll see a thinner Labrador and they'll say, oh, your dog's too underweight. And I yeah. say, oh, no, that's how a Labrador's supposed to look. And yeah. I'll say that a lot of the times that people would come in wow. with Labradors or Beagles or, or these kind of dogs that were really overweight. Mm. And you think about two-legged, you know, we're two-legged people, how much stress on our body is when we're overweight. Think mm. about four, mm. you know what I mean? They've got a completely Absolutely. different structure to us. So having four legs with all that weight is even a lot worse. Like we get bad backs and things yeah. from being two-legged species. Yeah. Well, the structure with them, it's a lot more um, sort I re- of harder on their bones. I remember... Um, we are 
when we got our puppy, um, I actually underfed it by yeah. accident because I was so worried about overfeeding yeah. it. And, um, you know, it was a little bit, it was a little bit um, just not quite with it. Yep. And that's when I realised I was underfeeding. Under yep. So then I went overfeeding. Yep. And the next time I was mortified when yeah. the doctor told me that, um, that the vet told me that the, I'd, you know, the, the, dog was yeah. overweight and I was because I know the consequences so well yeah. of overweight I was like how can this be how yeah. could I have done that so you know immediately on That's a diet it. and actually having to own the fact that I had got the dog into a place where it actually was expecting food yeah you know three times a day yeah and so I actually said well actually my instinct always was to give you two a day yeah and that's what I'm going back to and if there's something for you in a in a kong for you to play on during the day then that's different or a bone but actually I'm not feeding you three times a day yeah just and and the weight just he lit she literally came to her right weight yeah very very quickly and they do they do they um they 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 say that they're supposed to have the uh, womanly figure they're yes. supposed to come in you know at the hips and go out and that yeah. that's generally what we like to see on them no ribs yeah um but it's it's mainly about making sure that they're healthy as well because you know we want our our pets only have short lives we don't need to shorten them any longer because they become family members you know what I mean that's our right fur friends our fur pets are really important I think in family lifestyles and maybe that is something that we need to consider with children I wonder if I, I know that the I did a lot of research about uh, childhood obesity recently and one of the things that came out in a lot of the research was the sensitive nature of who was going to tell um, discuss who you were going to be able to discuss the child's weight with yeah and the parents were very um very clear that it was going to be the doctor who was going to do it they yeah. weren't happy that the school nurse did it yeah. they weren't happy that anyone at school did it it had to be the doctor and yet the doctor felt that it wasn't actually their role that actually it was the parents role so yeah, it was really interesting you know the parents were uncomfortable to have the conversation why yeah. you know why because a, there was some responsibility right. that needs to be taken that's and right. you know as a parent I know that that's hard. You, yeah. you have enough responsibility that's and enough right. guilt. And I see that with pet owners. They have responsibility. Yeah. They have guilt. So, you know, if they've missed a month of flea treatment, they come in and they feel terrible. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But that's what we're there to help. Yes. We don't care that you've missed a month. No. We'll just remind you. Do you know what I mean? We've got services to do that, to be able to help people like that. And I think yeah. that that's a reflection of what we need to do with people. So whether or not adults or parents when they do a parenting course have an educational course about food and what food we introduce at what ages and yeah. how much we introduce you know we maybe we don't um maybe we don't um sort of let them have you know red red food coloring dye or whatever yeah. it is you know yeah. from four and under because i know my cousin she's got a um very severely autistic boy and yeah. she can't have any of those high sugar foods in the house because it sets him off yeah and they're finding a massive um relationship with food and sugar with like just simple things like autism and how much it's oh, changing no yeah how much it changes their behavior and yeah. she says to me he has honestly like massive um tantrums if yeah. he has sugar in the day or red food coloring and things like that and she's just got to keep it out of the house so there needs to i think there needs to be some kind of system with children or with parents at, at a younger age empowering yeah. yeah you know um my kids weren't really given that much sugar but they used to trade off yeah um you yeah, know trade their cool. lunch for yeah. someone else's lunch you know <laughs> <laughs> everyone else wanted the vegetables they didn't yeah. <laughs> they never got the jam sandwiches everybody else did so you know one way or another they get what right. they want but um there is a there is a um now there is a choices and consequences that all of my kids understand that i've got one in particular who is super sensitive to sugar she becomes unpleasant on it yeah. you know for her she's not her yeah and and she's starting to see it yeah and that's the power of letting them see the consequences so you you manage it as a parent as long as you can but ultimately with food They've got to have the relationship and understand why they're eating what they're yeah, eating definitely. and what actually it's doing in their bodies. And and I think it does, if they're going to go out into their own lives, they've got to understand it, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. Let's go to some community service announcement. We might have a bit of Kylie Minogue and locomotion <laughs> after that. And uh, we'll come back and we will we'll talk about... Um, 
self-esteem just a smidgen more. Yeah, no problem. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. I am sitting here with Ashley Bell talking about obesity, being overweight, uh, how debilitating it is in our lives, both physically and psychologically, and how we can look at it slightly differently, ask the question not necessarily make it about food, but say, what else is going on? Why, what's the relationship that we have with food and investigate that. Now, one of the things that, one of the questions that I wanted to ask Ashley was, what was the moment when you realized that something needed to change? Yeah, um, it was very much like an epiphany, I guess you could say. it's sort of an unfortunate story, but fortunate in this in the same sense. So a few years ago, I was about 19. Um, my dad, unfortunately, suffered a pretty serious heart attack, um, only at the age of about 40, 43, I think he was, when he had his heart attack. Yeah, that'd be about right. Um, and I guess my dad also was a very overweight man. Like there was a few of us in the family that were. It was genetic too. Um, probably a bit of a family problem in, in the sense that we were all following the same kind of um, traits and bad habits. So it was, yeah, it was probably not a good thing. Um, but yeah, I saw my dad suffer a heart attack. And I guess that kind of made me very scared um, as a young girl thinking, wow, I, I could lose my dad, um, you know, and it, I guess he got told he had to do something about it. So he had to change his lifestyle change. Now, my dad was never a smoker. He was never a drinker. Um, he just ate bad food, like like a lot of us do. Um, but he never really abused... Like, he was still an active person and he had a high-stress job, which is probably more the reason he was an accountant. And they said that was probably more the reason that was his job is what um, probably resulted into that. But I guess that that's why I decided, wow, I can't, I can't let this be a problem for me in a few years time if I don't do something about it now if I'm 128 kilos as a 19 year old girl then I'm just going to be like my father in maybe less time than what he was so um, I didn't want to have a problem on my hands um, worse than what he did as I got older so Mm. that's when I decided to turn things around for myself and um, yeah unfortunately though with my dad it, it was a problem before he had to fix it so something serious had to happen before he went okay And I guess the same thing happened to me. I had to watch something bad happen to a a close family member before I decided that it was time to do something different. So I think that's something that we hope will, you know, by having conversations like we're having now, we want to say to anyone who's listening, please consider making these changes in your life before something terrible has to happen because it's so much more traumatic that way. That's right, yeah. It's scary. It's scary. Um, You know, you're playing Russian roulette, really, um, with your health. If you're going to be someone that's going to abuse your body, it will will come back one day and, and it will follow up with you and it will be a problem. And some people make it, some people don't. My dad was very lucky enough to be taken care of in fantastic facilities and you know he's had um, stents put in his heart and things like that but now he has to manage that for the rest of his life do you know what I mean he's on four tablets a day every single day Mm. I don't want to be like that I I would hate to take medication daily just so I can you know be healthy and be okay and you know it shouldn't come to that it shouldn't be that we've got to wait for something serious to happen before we take a reflection and go okay I need to make changes and yeah that's why I have sort of entered into the health industry now because I want to help people recognize the problem before it's a real serious problem. And one of the dilemmas we have isn't it is looking at quality of life as opposed to existence so we may be living longer but we have far more chronic diseases yeah, so definitely what's great about living longer if we're living with more chronic disease that's surely right. there is an element that says actually maybe we maybe that's not maybe medicine isn't helping us because it's keeping us alive but it's not making us responsible for our choices that's right and if we actually had to be responsible for our choices how differently would we live that's right yeah and i know like my parents were traveling a lot and looking back at them, you know, a few years ago, like they were struggling to walk up, you know, the Spanish steps and things like that. They just couldn't do 
the same things that they're doing now. Like they've, now that they've seen the fact that I've lost weight, they've both gone, you know what, if you can do it, we can do it. So I've actually motivated my parents to a healthier lifestyle too. So they're starting up at the gym and they're walking every single day. They've lost about 10 kilos each in about three, four months. So they're doing light and easy, which is the same thing that I did. So they've sort of gone, well, if our daughter can do it, we can do it. So the fact that I can inspire my own parents, I think has been the biggest thing because they were the hardest people for me to convince because I don't know why, but they were like, they were probably one of the hardest people for me, for me to convince that it was the right thing to do because yeah. they're probably thinking, oh, it's just, you know, our daughter sort of thing. We don't need yeah. to listen to her, but yeah. they've gone, you know what? I am going to listen to her. They're inspired by you <laughs> yeah, clearly definitely. and rightly so, you know, to lose, to lose nearly 60 kilos is extraordinary. That's it. And I think too many people play an emphasis on the fact that they didn't want to exercise. They yeah. go for a very light walk every single day. Yes. They, don't, they don't, you know, they're not doing the biggest loser. They're not doing no. sweating and, you know, running no. around crazily. It's no. just the small changes that have yeah. made the big difference for both of them. You know, um, I think that, I think what you hit on there is something very key. It's not about massive changes. It's about, it's about looking at why you're eating what you're eating uh, they were inspired by you. You walked your talk. And it's very difficult to be the first person to change in yeah, a family. Yeah. But what I say on this show all the time is you have to be the change you want to see in your life. You have to do it. You That's can't right. wait for other people around you to be that change. So for me, I want more love in this world. So I am, I live... I absolutely am dedicated to being a love bug in this life. You know, I just hope that I infect everybody (laughs) with a passion (laughs) for caring more about other human beings and caring about each other and building community. That's right. So I I want to be that change. And I I can't wait for someone else to tell me it's safe to do that. You have to stand up and say, no, we have to make it safe to do that. Yeah, definitely. And changing our lives with weight is no different. It's about saying you recognise that you needed to be that change in your life. And even though the people around you weren't quite ready, you have inspired them. They're now ready. That's right. They're now... And they, in turn, will turn will inspire people in their lives, in their friendship groups. That's right. It, you know, it, there's a ripple effect and I, I really admire you and I'm so pleased you do it, Ashley. Yeah, I, thank you. I appreciate that very much so. I think it's something that, to be able to have the conversation about the food and how you did it and then also to say, you know, at some point the emotional issues about why you ate need are going to come up yeah. and to surround yourself with incredible support so that you can have those conversations. Yeah. That's crucial, isn't it? That's right, yeah. We, we don't necessarily talk about it because we talk about organisations that help us lose the weight I think we need the psychological support to work yeah, alongside that. Definitely. I think that's the most important thing. And I think I think my um, my biggest advice for people would be, like I just said a second ago, it's not the biggest loser. Do you know what I mean? Don't try and lose 20 kilos in three months. Don't have targets like that. Look at it as a lifestyle change. It's not how much weight can you lose before summer? How quickly can you get into that bikini? It's about recognise what you're putting in your hand, recognise then what you're putting in your mouth, moderate it, enjoy, enjoy life. You know what I mean? You still have to enjoy life. I was still, when I was dieting, I was still having a meal a week, which I ate whatever I wanted. And yeah. it was whatever I wanted. Yeah. You, we're human. We are supposed to enjoy things, but it's about the moderation. It's about recognizing the good food groups to eat majority of the time yeah. and the bad food groups we eat some of the time, you know, and just little things like dairy, you know, so a lot of people have too much dairy and yeah, I think that that's moderate a, it. just moderate it it's yeah. all it is you know what I mean like it's high it, fat so it's worth you know it's worth understanding that's an easy yeah. that's an easy one you just look at your triangle it sounds yeah. like really old school but look at your food pyramid yeah recognize what you're not eating in a day and make sure you're eating it I would um I would always guide to have a food diary and actually I, I, I would call it a mood food diary I yeah. always look at what I eat and how I feel after I eat it yeah. and let my body guide me as to what feels good what doesn't yeah. feel good so you know my idea of have any meal that I want is very different now that I feel better in my body and I feel better about myself yeah than I would have had three years ago when I 
I didn't feel so good and I was very exhausted. Yeah. Um, so now we oh, I had an amazing party last night at some girlfriends of mine house and, and we had, I mean, there was lamb there, there was oh, yeah. three types of fish, there was um, some really beautiful broccoli and some beans and yeah. some guacamole and um, kale, roasted kale. Yeah. Uh, amazing yeah. meal. But I actually didn't feel that I needed anything else. Yeah. Like I, I, I wasn't, looking for bread I wasn't looking for my um sugar yeah I, I felt so it was the most amazing meal yeah and that's it I love hearty me- meals like that yes. that's that's real food do you know that's what I mean it. that's what you want to have it's not yeah. about eating all the crappy food because no. you think that that's what a real meal is when you're having like a you know you, what people say a cheat meal or yeah. you know your, your cheeky meal that you have for the week but cheeky meals are still you can have roast and things like that. Like it's still... That's right. It's, roast isn't bad. Yeah. It's just about understanding how much you're having and, and that's right. how does it make you feel? I yeah. always come back to that. How does it make you feel? Because that's the thing we were... To, I don't know if we were talking on air or off air about it, but when you've got... When you learn from your body, it's a lesson that stays with you forever. Oh, definitely. As you've been saying, definitely. you feel better. So your choices about what you eat are different because... You, you value yourself. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to feel less and you don't want to feel heavy in that psychological sense That's as right. well as the physical sense. That's right. And I think that comes down to exercising as well. I think a, a big thing important. that I say to people is people focus so much on going to the gym and being there for an hour and, you know, mm. slugging it out. It's, it's not about that. It's not about, you know, how much weight can you lift or how much can you do or who's looks the most professional in a gym atmosphere. It's just about feeling good, exercising, because exercise makes you feel great. Do you yes. know what I mean? There's this big emphasis on what it makes you look like and, you know, you want to have ripped abs or this or that. But exercise makes you feel like a better person. Sometimes when I'm a bit moody or something like that, I'll just go for a walk. Yeah. I, I'll just clear a my head. A gentle walk. Ha- have, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just have some time with yourself. Yeah. Have that moment with yourself. Just clear your mind, you know what I mean? And it makes you feel so much better. We've definitely got to be careful of the images that are out there that we try and live up to. You know, you were saying comparison at school. Well, the the ripped bodies that we see in magazines of people at the gym that they are fake <laughs> they don't and look like that and it's over it's over gymmed. overachieving you know what I mean it's, <laughs> yes it's it's not necessary to no. be able to bench fifty kilos you know I mean you're not going to do that in life it's no. not I think I tell people to do functional training I tell them don't you know, go do bodybuilding or anything like that. We need to be able to carry the shopping. That's right. Do functional training. Be able to just live everyday life. Yeah. Do stuff that's just going to get you from A to B. You don't need to, you know, have this gym, you know, gym junkie body. Trust me, they're not happy. No. They're not happy people. They're always searching for something, right? They're they're always looking for a reason to make themselves better. They're not happy. They're perfectionists, you know. They have just as much of a problem with their body and self-image. In fact, they almost have even worse self-image than what some Mm, people do who are overweight. I was speaking to a woman the other day in the gym who's – She's telling me she's like two percent body fat or something like that. It's ridiculous. Like she's completely mm. rich, but she was telling me that she just she's not happy in herself. And I'm thinking, well, look at you. Like yeah. you're of course you're not happy. You're you're depriving your body yeah. to look like that. Yeah. Of course you're not happy. So yeah. people who are overeating and people who are trying so hard to have this freak like body are just as you know just as unhappy and have just as much stress in their life and what in the way that they look and maintaining the way that they look. Mm. I rather maintaining you know, to just be happy rather than maintaining this freak godlike body all the time. Self-esteem comes from the inside. Exactly. It does not come from the it's outside. nothing about the outside. We, ca- we can't feed, we can't fix. We have to develop this relationship with our soul and with ourselves. That's right. To, to really value who we are and bring that to the world rather than think that the world is going to make us feel better. That's right. That's right. Don't go away. We will be back after this short break. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Um, We're coming into the last little section, but we couldn't really go without talking about uh, when we're talking about being overweight, the effect that that has on your self-esteem when you're growing up and you're you're actually just starting to start that boy-girl relationship and, and what that had. Now, Ashley, that was a real sore point for you, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I found that Unfortunately, girls and boys didn't like me um, and girls would make it 
probably more their problem to make sure that boys from other schools or anything like that certainly didn't like me. So harsh, so yeah, harsh. Yeah, girls can be cruel, <laughs> but um, I think that yeah, t- too many girls try to seek approval from the opposite sex, and they're willing to um, kind of watch other girls sort of fail or fall down or you know, be a victim of um, being bullied by boys or pranks and things like that to sort of be ahead of other girls. I think girls can sometimes throw each other under the bus a little bit, which I think is unfortunate. Uh, yes, the the um, jealousy in comparison with girls is, is an epidemic. It's yeah. really unpleasant. And it, I think it comes again from that lack of self-esteem in yeah. yourself. But as a society, it's encouraged and, and accepted as normal. You know, let's stick it in that same category as yeah. a socially accepted That's it. harm. So... That's, how did you cope? Um, I probably didn't, to mm. be honest. I was probably why I was um, emotional eating and things like that, and I just sort of clung to myself. Um, I found that all the girls around me were focused so much on boys that it drove yeah. me to all of a sudden have this big boy craze and focused too much on having a boyfriend and getting boys to like me that none of the girls really cared about making sure that they were real friends. So what can we say? What can we say? Coming to the end of our show, let's give some positives to here. What what would you say to a young person who's in that situation now, uh, perhaps looking at food as the answer? How would you turn that around for them? Um, I would just say don't identify yourself by the things around you. So boyfriends, music, fads, things like that anything that's apparently in it's it's all it's all bull do you know yeah, what i mean yeah. you know you need to be real you need to focus on your friendships focus on having real like real close connections with people and forming good value good value with people you know not having people that want to don't be don't be around people that just want to get ahead of you or yeah. you know are willing to step on you to be ahead cuz i think that unfortunately a lot of a lot of young people will do that to sort of get somewhere and I think that that's something that we need to focus on and be really careful with. And can I put it on the table that in order to be able to have that discerning or discernment that you're talking about there, you have to get to know yourself first. You have to have that relationship and that connection with you and value it and value it so much that you won't abandon yourself at any point in order to be accepted by another person. That's right. Even if it means actually that it takes a little longer to to develop a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, you know, that, but actually that your dedication to yourself is actually 100% there. And I probably didn't even learn that till I was about 21. I think that that's something that I would be... I think I regret the most is that I didn't really stop to um, to start thinking about these things until I hit about 21, 22. And I guess that's that age when you sort of start thinking about who am I? Do you know what I mean? And mm. I think that we need to start thinking about that when we're a little bit younger. Who am I? What do I, what do I want? Yeah. What, what is it that I need to do to get somewhere? Not who do I need to know or who do I need to be friends with or what do I need to follow to look cool? Absolutely. What club do I need to be in? That's what school it. do I need to go to? Because that might either find me a good partner or a yeah. good you know, job later in life. So that is the program for primary school, isn't it? Yeah. Who am I? That's it. How we, how we um, share with our young people how to develop connection with themselves. That's right. And value that above everything. Take that into high school, particularly through those years, six, seven, eight, yeah, nine. Yeah, the most really crucial years. years. Absolutely. <laughs> Keep, you know, championing the teachers, the parents, you know, who am I and that connection with yourself. Yeah. And in order to do that, the adults in our community need to walk the talk so we actually need to say "Hmm, okay we need to actually develop that connection with ourselves yeah i think parents need to take responsibility as well in a sense of recognizing what what is my child like yeah what qualities who are they who are they you know and recognizing who they are before they know do you know what i mean they say that your parents are meant to know you better than yourselves well I think some of that is true, but I think you know you obviously know yourself your best. But when you're younger, you're still learning. You know what I mean? You're learning all these these conflicting things. You're pushing boundaries. Yeah, you're, you know we're all going to make mistakes. And we're your parents gonna... have been parented in a way that values what they do. So you know, um, if if I know that. Some parents will say, you know, what's your child like? They're a great runner. They're great at math. They're great at this. No, no, no. What are, you know, who are they? Who are they? That's you know? it. Yeah. Oh, they're not so, what can not they do? Are they gentle? <laughs> you know, you know, it's like actually saying who you are beyond yeah. what you do. That's right. It, it's, it's, we're trained to look at, at selling 
something at yeah. selling what we do and, and actually nominating that getting underneath that you're absolutely right as parents yeah. and as adults we we definitely need to own that yeah definitely and i think i think that the more um emphasis that we put on our children to be this and to be that and be good at this and be good at that they'll figure it out what they want to do they they'll will. figure it they'll figure it out you know kids kids aren't stupid they're really they're so amazing they really are and in fact they say like you know young kids especially they've got no filter it's so yeah. true i love that the yeah. emperor's new clothes yeah. that's what i wanted this show to be about yeah let's you know that's why i have younger people on here to have the wisdom that you know, the wisdom does not come with age. No. It is there right from the get-go. That's we blast it out of them. But, man, some young people come out with things that could solve the problems in this yeah, world. Yeah, that's right. And I think that the, the world is changing. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think too many people are scared of change. It's okay. It's always been changing. The times have always been updating. Yeah. Kids are going to be into new things. And I think that that's the biggest fear that parents have is that yeah. they close off and they go, I don't want to know. Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes I think you need to know, even if they're things that we don't want to know, have honest relationships with your kids because that's when they hide things. That's when they, you know, they're, they're going to do things that we parents aren't going to approve of. Well, and the dishonesty leads to the situations which we've got at the moment, which is a world that's permanently at war. That's right. Because no one's really being honest about that's the fact right. that we're, you know, we're, we're living in a world, I, this came up last week, where we have man-made borders, but we're all human beings. That's right. You know, and we're fighting over something that actually kind of go... Oh, it doesn't just, really matter. And a young kid will go, that's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the smart ones. That's right. So, you know. But listen, thank you so much for being part of the no, show today. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've really, um, really enjoyed today. It's been great. And we will have you back. It'll be fantastic to have you on. And maybe we'll have you back with some other um, people who can talk about being judged for what's on the outside rather than valuing what's in the inside. That sounds like it would be a good show to come. Definitely. So So um, that's the end of our show today. We've got about four more minutes left, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to take me four minutes to tell you what is happening in the next coming weeks. Um, this month is domestic violence awareness month i will repost the uh, interview that i did with our local um our local domestic violence uh constable here earlier in the in the year which was fantastic so i'll repost that i think it's got some valuable resources and a really good way to to approach it if you have um if you have a concern in your life or in someone else's life you know it's world obesity day on the 11th of october it's mental health week that same week and i will be covering a little bit of that next week um street works glam and grunge is coming up on the 21st of october it'd be lovely to see as many of you there as possible and triple h have got a golf day now, this is a great opportunity to get some exercise by walking a golf course, um, but it's also good bonding exercise. It's, a, it's an opportunity to get a team together, even of people who aren't really very good at golf, and just actually have some time together and support the community. Um, we would love to see you there. Please go on to the Triple H homepage and have a look and sign up. There are lots of uh, sponsoring opportunities for and prize opportunities to maybe donate some prizes as well if you're a local organisation. Next week's show is to celebrate this month being Breast Cancer Awareness Month and I'm going to be joined by Katie Walls. Foundational Breast Care is the um, organisation. There is a website, foundationalbreastcare.com. Um, but Katie's going to tell us all about it next week and we have uh, another guest in the studio with us as well. It'll be a show where we can delve below the surface of breast care, discover a relationship that can be medicine in itself. So join Katie Walls and myself on stage in the loop with lucy next sunday 8 30 on triple h 100.1 fm the podcast for today's show will be available through the stay in the loop with lucy website and on soundcloud that should be up by early this evening and if you want to get updates then please remember to like the at stay in the loop with lucy facebook page or the blog page and then you'll automatically get told when i have done a new show as you can see the people who come into the show are extraordinary and we learn a huge amount from their life experiences links to all of those places are available on the triple h homepage if you haven't had a pen to hand till next week's show remember to take a moment to look after you connect with the amazing people in our community be kind be caring be love be all of you you have been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. 